Hello and a very warm welcome to Rajya Sabha Television. You're watching The Big Picture with me, Frank Rouse and Pereira. Agriculture in India faces growing challenges and also presents plenty of opportunities, but successive governments have been hesitant to bring reforms fearing political ramifications. Crucial decisions needed to give the sector an impetus have been delayed in the fear of losing votes. There has also been a lack of vision. The Modi government has brought about reforms but has been met with stiff opposition from farmers. They remained firm on their demand to get the new farm laws repealed. As the protests continue, industry bodies representing Indian corporates are worried about the stalemate situation between farmers and the government as it is causing huge losses. The Associated Chambers of Commerce and Industry of India has urged the government and farmers' organizations to resolve the impasse. Meanwhile, the CII said that the new reforms will improve market access and increase income opportunities for farmers. The industry body added that the reforms are focused on the input side, introducing risk mitigation measures, reducing post-harvest losses and augmenting market opportunities. Prime Minister Narendra Modi on Tuesday said farmers were being misled about agriculture reforms and the reforms were exactly what farmer bodies and even opposition parties had been asking for over the years. In this edition of The Big Picture, we will analyze the need for agricultural reforms. Joining me on the program today are Gautam Chikarmani, Vice President, Observer Research Foundation, and Abhinav Prakash, Assistant Professor of Economics, University of Delhi. Thank you to my panelists for joining me on this edition of The Big Picture. All right, Gautam Chikarmani, let me begin the program with you first. Let's first analyze and try and understand why we need agricultural reforms. I think uh, the, uh, the need for agricultural reforms have been adequately addressed over the past two decades of intense debate. Um, from uh, National Commission on Farmers to expert committees to task forces, economic surveys, United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization, parliamentary standing committees, every uh, uh, Every body that is associated with agriculture or the lawmaking uh, infrastructure has, over the past 20 years, come out with saying that uh, agriculture desperately needs reforms. Among them, there are two key reforms. First is uh, reform of the APMC uh, infrastructure. And second is uh, easing out the Essential Commodities Act. Both these laws have been passed uh, recently. Uh, and now that they have been passed, I am surprised at the kind of a reaction that's happening. The, the political parties that until yesterday had signed on to those reforms in their manifestos are today saying that these reforms are not good and uh, they need to be repealed and so on and so forth. To give you just one example, the 2019 Parliamentary Standing Committee on Agriculture said that APMCs have become a hotbed of politics, corruption, and monopoly of traders and middlemen. In other words, uh, what I'm surprised about is that all that has happened over the past 20 years through various reports, farmer commissions, and so on and so forth, is being negated today at the, uh, on the road. So I don't know how debates are going to happen uh, in this country. May I take a minute or two to make two important points here? Please do. Second. We are all being systematically distracted towards an invisible enemy called the removal of MSP, minimum support price. It has been stated that these three laws will kill farmers because they will remove the MSP. 
the removal of msp will destroy agriculture they have said among all sorts of things what are the facts none of these laws not not none of the three laws that have been enacted mention the words msp leave alone legislate its removal all they are saying is that the farmers will get an additional place where they can sell their uh, produce which means the monopsony of apmc will go away farmers will benefit through other entities like uh, uh, ngos uh, like um, uh, corporate entities they can sell to them they are not saying you will only sell to them and apmc structure is being trimmed and finally my third point which is again the big debate has suddenly shifted out away from what is in the interest of farmers to who is causing those bad things it is being stated that corporate entities will come and loot the farmers they will not give them the right prices and so on and so forth again if if that happens the farmers are free to sell to apmcs the law only expands the point of sale they do not restrict them further there are three entities they can sell to ngos wholesalers and corporates these are the three new entities which have been created in inside the the new laws if corporates are so bad and evil they should stop using the pumps the tractors the phones the suvs why are you using corporate goods you can't have your corporate goodies and spit on them too if corporates have come and brought in efficiencies and competition in telecom in automobiles in e-commerce and in so many other places why will the same benefits not accrue to the farmers you need to stop demonizing the job creators of india these are the three key points i wanted to make thank you right abhinav prakash let me come to you now you know the last time we spoke about this particular issue you very uh, candidly said that you know the only problem with the ag agricultural reforms is that it is 30 years too late so since we are there now and since we have heard gautam chikarmani as well talk about you know some of the issues really as far as uh, these reforms are concerned and how we need them and how in the past we have not undertaken them you know what are some of the other existing problems as they stand well i'll start with the msp itself uh, see this msp and apmcs were enacted during the time of scarcity when we had this massive food shortage in the country and we were trying to do green revolution in order to become self sufficient in the uh, food grains production but what works in 1960s and 70s does not necessarily works in 2010 and 20 now what is what has the msp done you were saying that you are going to give above market price to certain crops like in the case of punjab is basically paddy and the wheat and that distorts the cropping pattern itself so what is happening in punjab over the years is that their biodiversity is getting destroyed because everyone is now cultivating paddy and wheat and they're bringing in more and more land under the cultivation of these crops the land which is not best suited for this kind of cultivation right the punjab is an arid region you should not be cultivating uh, paddy at all because that's destroying your water table as well now in order to compensate for that you are using more chemical fertilizers you are using more groundwater you are using more machinery so your cost of production is also going on uh, going up so then you say my cost of production is very high the market price which i am getting is not sufficient to cover that so give me msp so it's a kind of a circular problem because if the market price is not able to compensate for your cost of production of wheat and paddy in punjab that tells you that you should not be producing those crops in these quantities right because remember prices act as a signal mechanism in the market you distort the price you destroy the economy because the moment you start distorting the prices you are distorting the resource allocation in the economy and that is long term consequences we see that in punjab 
fertility in Punjab is going down, water tables are going down, the excessive use of chemical fertilizers to increase the production or in order to keep on producing more because there's a perverse incentive created by MSP has turned Punjab into the cancer belt of India. So the cost of MSP is so devastating that it was, you know, the MSP itself is a problematic instrument as of today. But yeah, Mr. Gautam is right. He's saying that government is not removing MSP. It is only giving you more options. Maybe, you know, in the long term, they want to shift away from this inefficient agriculture caused by the APMCs and the MSPs in order to, you know, move to a, towards a more sustainable kind of agriculture. But there's one more point, you know, once we have the green revolution in the country, uh, we had this rise of a new class of farmers, especially in the areas of green revolution, which is Western UP, Haryana, and especially Punjab, those who are capitalist farmers, right? So it's, it's a long-standing debate in the Indian economic literature. Many people, uh, you know, uh, find it very amusing that how can farmers can be capitalist? But yeah, we have a class of capitalist farmers who owns the means of production, who hire waste labor, who work for the profit motive. And these farmers then, you know, uh, to, because they become prosperous, they become powerful. So they started uh, uh, dominating the politics in the villages. They started getting elected into parliaments and the legislatures. And then from the 80s onwards and the late 70s onwards, this whole thing of providing subsidy on the chemical fertilizer, uh, free electricity, free water, loan waiver started because a simple play of the political power out there. So what started as a legitimate instrument of, uh, you know, uh, making sure that India achieves food security has today become the, uh, you know, the instrument of political control and patronage by a vested interest by a very small group of farmers who are actually rich capitalist farmers, who are also the middlemen and the traders in the APMC. They control the entire thing. So we really need to go and dismantle the structure. No one is saying you go and punish them. The point is that you give farmers more freedom so that they can have more economic freedom and they can do what they want to do. This is at the root of this protest. All of the things are peripheral. The MSP and the APMC are the one uh, whose reform, we are not even reforming them effectively, we are only giving people more freedom, that is causing this backlash. We are opening fact, up... May I come in, in here for a minute? Uh, yes, just to, please do. Uh, please do. Please give do. a little more uh, uh, perspective to Abhinav's argument here. Now, I mentioned that MSP is not part of this debate at all. It is, it's a fake news, it's a false narrative that has been dragged inside what are essentially three very good laws. But there is no harm in debating whether MSP is good or bad. In fact, farmers are saying they need to be legislated into a law. Let's debate that. Uh, others are saying, like Abhinav has just pointed out, that they need to, we need to end MSP. Let's debate it. And I think the debate around whether MSP should happen or not happen, and in, in case it moves forward and into a separate law, so be it. But that debate must happen. The the they must not intrude into an existing law to, uh, to, uh, as some, some form of a uh, protest. For instance, if you are creating flexibilities for the farmer, why bring MSP into it? If you're talking about uh, removing essential commodities, uh, remo uh, amending the Essential Commodities Act so that warehousing can happen and cold storage chains can come up, why should MSP be part of that discussion at all? I don't understand. So this distraction needs to go on the one side, which I said earlier. But perhaps the nation needs to now di discuss whether MSP is good or not. Farmers say it is. Economists say it isn't. Let's debate. Let's put it on debate. Absolutely. I think discussion is the only way forward, really, of getting past this impasse 
so that all stakeholders can be taken on board and all points can be weighed out and measured and we come out with the best alternative or the best outcome. All right, since we are here then, Gautam, you know, let's also talk about the farmers' demands really and, you know, why it is only a certain section of farmers that are spearheading this movement and are making the most amount of noise. Because they have the most to lose. The other farmers have moved on to various other places. Several states have amended uh, their APMC structures and brought in little bit of flexibilities. This law is an, is an addition on top of that. So when uh, in, in every reform, um, you know, you don't look that old, but I, I certainly am. Uh, in fact, I started my uh, uh, career with the 1991 reforms when they were happening in 1992. Every reform that came then, starting with the Industrial Policy Resolution 1991, was opposed. There was something called the Bombay Club. There was something called uh, interest, which said that you must not give more than 51% should remain with Indian promoters, and all kinds of things were happening. Reforms went on. All the vested interests were smothered. The result, fast growth of the Indian economy. In, the Indian economy was less than $300 billion then. Today, it is almost $3 trillion. Uh, in 30 years. Uh, so I, every vested interest, every entity, every reform will hurt. I don't know if you know this, but earlier uh, there was no such thing as electronic trading. There used to be brokers who would be trading physically. Uh, when electronic trading was brought in, the brokers raised a hue and cry. But look at the, uh, they would charge commissions of up to 5%. Look at the commission structure. I don't know. I think it's in I'm not an investor, but they, it must, it's in some basis points today. So I think every reform brings a whole lot of good to the country. Uh, uh, to say that the rest of the country, industry, services, etc., will reform, while farmers will be relegated to the past, is not the way forward. There will be some constituencies that will be hurt in this case. The uh, middlemen, uh, the APMC uh, politics around the APMC, which is now a hotbed of corruption, as I mentioned earlier in the Parliament Standing Committee report, but I assure you, firstly, a middleman is not a bad institution. He brings a lot of value uh, uh, to the producer as well as the consumer. But the point I want to make is the middlemen of today who are operating from APNCs as RTs, as APMC contractors, etc., will be the same middlemen tomorrow once these laws are passed that will change their face become NGOs, become wholesalers, they will become corporate entities, and they will continue to fight. So the fight only begins today. Once the laws are passed, the same entities will become those uh, corporate entities to, in order to preserve their own business. The fight will be then between these interests, the vested interests of today, and the new corporate interests of tomorrow, who may want to do a better job, give better services, give buy at better prices because they will have the wherewithal to sell it to a larger number of people across. So I, I think this is only the starting point. The same vested interests will become interested parties uh, tomorrow and they will, the second level of fight will begin from there. Okay. Since we are here then, you know, Abhinav, let's also talk about, uh, we are talk, since we are talking about corporates and since we brought up corporates as well, let's also talk about how the industry can really help in improving uh, the plight of the farmers and improving the, the sector as a whole. Well, uh, if we're talking about industry, so Dr. Ambedkar once wrote a paper on uh, agriculture long back. He was an economist. 
Uh, and he said that the only solution to agricultural problem in India is industrialization and more mechanization of the agriculture. But the point is that we have treated agriculture as some kind of a pristine sector, which is no, on the, which the poor people depend. So we don't need to do much about it. We only need to support it with subsidies and all. And somehow we need to preserve that way of life. The point is that the more you allow the commercialization of agriculture, the more you allow the mechanization of the agriculture and the entry of the corporates and the, and the, and the industry, the more efficient it does become. What the industry can do, first of all, once the Essential Commodities Act is gone, what is going to happen? You're going to see this investment in the agriculture, in the supply chains, in the warehousing, because rural infrastructure is something which is very much needed. The nature of agricultural produce is such that you have to sell it the moment you harvest it. Otherwise, it will, it's a, because it's a perishable good. So you, you do need supply chains, warehouses, which can make sure that the prices do not fall uh, I mean, too much when the harvest season is there and they do not rise when the off season is going on. So that is one thing we can see immediate impact of these laws. The second thing is that in the long run, uh, 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 contract farming is going to come in a more formalized manner. Why I'm saying formalized manner? Because we already have large scale contract farming in this country, and those are informal contracts because uh, we don't have any laws as such to regulate them. But with these laws, now you have better mechanism so more industrial houses, corporate houses will want to invest. And see, why do we think about the big corporates only? I mean, when you're talking about the private sector, you will have literally have hundreds of starts of uh, startups coming up. You will have different uh, private entities who will uh, join the uh, you know uh, business. Like Gautam was telling that you know these old Arathias and these Arathias themselves are the bigger farmers in the in those reasons. So there's lots of interlinkages in the rural economy which we don't understand. So same person is the big farmer, same person is the middleman, same person is the money lender, same person is also running transport business. So these people themselves have the capacity to become the uh, new corporate entities. So it's not necessary that the people who are fearing that they're going to lose out, that they will lose out. They may join, they can work with the bigger companies, they can join the supply chains. So those things are going to bring lots of efficiency. The industry on its part, you know, uh, I think the, the best thing they can do is to increase their investment in these supply chains. But there's one more point. Uh, why are the farmers apprehensive? See, individually speaking, these farmers are apprehensive because they are responding to the policy structure which has been placed for decades. So they don't know what is going to happen. So they have genuine apprehensions about the future. I'm talking about the farmers, not those vested interests. Because see, they know only uh, this system. So perhaps we can you know, engage with them in a better manner, more assurances are uh, to be given, which government in fact has given uh, on the 9th of December from not wrong, that your concerns will be taken care of. But I think as the, uh, uh, you know, these farms uh, bills are implemented, farm laws are implemented, sorry. So as the people will see their benefit, I think this opposition will also slowly die down. Just building on the point that Abhinav has just made, Gautam Chikarmani, I'd like to take that forward with you as well. You know, so why are the farmers so suspicious of the market forces? And could things have been uh, any different? Uh, to generalize that all farmers are suspicious of market forces is incorrect. Hmm. Uh, I think it's a small group of farmers who are creating these suspicions. Why would anybody want, would be suspicious about alternatives? that today you can only sell to A, tomorrow you can sell to A, B, C, D, E, up till Z. Why would anybody not want that? I don't understand. It, 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 it belies all logic. Further, 
there is another fear that is being loaded on to the small farmers which is that your lands will be taken away and the corporates will come and eat up your lands it is completely incorrect if you read this law uh, which is the third law that came the farmers empowerment and protection agreement on price assurance and farm services act 2020 that act clearly mentions that in case of first there is a, a dispute mechanism for contract farming that in case there is a dispute you will go here and this is the structure of that dispute but all else being on one side under no circumstances whatsoever will the farmers land be put at risk the farmers land irrespective of whatever the nature of the dispute pricing whatever the land will not go away from the farmer it's been written into law i don't see why anybody would want to uh, say that this is not a good law uh, in fact all wholesalers ngos corporate Uh, the threats of those people taking over the land they do not they do not exist at all and like abhinav mentioned uh, if if the government is talking to the farmers sure it must but it must also know that there are other farmers than from punjab the other farmers are welcoming this so it's not that one farmers uh, interest will be looked at and other farmers we will not be looked at i think the government has to go go on this very carefully Uh, if amendment has to come, it's no no big deal. The IBC has been amended six times so far, so th there is no problem in, in in an amendment. The problem is that will an amendment be done on the streets of Delhi, or will it be debated in Parliament through civilized uh, in a civilized manner? That's the that's the discussion. And I I don't think that governments need uh, any any government, uh, union government, state government should be brought. Uh, to to a point where a small minority, a small chunk of farmers, let us say this time from Punjab, can uh, decide the, the 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 nomenclature of the law for the entire constituency or farmers. I I don't think this it works this way. I don't think democracy works this way. You know, um, uh, uh, Abhinav, uh, since we since Gautam made this point about you know how when you have so many options, it's really going to help the farmer as a whole. So the opening up of the agri sector. to market forces is it safe to say that it will provide additional sources uh, of income from outside of farming well uh, definitely frank see why we see reforms as suspect in this country because uh, the kind of reforms which we did in the 1991 i mean as you said that those were the reforms for india we did not do the reforms for the bharat which is unlike china when china started reforming they started reform opening up to the market from the agriculture sector itself at that ended up benefiting a large number of people in the countryside the farmers did benefit the poverty rates went down very sharply and that gave widespread legitimacy to the economic reforms in china which is lacking in india because we started reforms from the manufacturing sector so uh, as you know this kind of reforms go forward i think when the people will see the benefit they are really going to appreciate these reforms as of now it's more of a apprehension and fear mongering which is doing that but see market reforms are always good the spread of commercialization is good the markets are good the capitalism is good socialism is not good i mean you look at the entire world tell me a single country which is a socialist country and which is successful none of them right so uh, somehow in this political discourse in this country the way we have uh, built up our polity in the last couple of decades we are normally suspect of the market the corporates are evil that you know a uh, markets are a bad thing they will rob you i think there are historical reasons for that because we saw these things happening under the colonial rule so i think that hangover is still there but there is one more point when we're talking about the agricultural reforms see the kisans or the farmers are not the only community in the countryside 
They are the, not the only one in the agricultural sector. In fact, they are in a minority. The majority of the people are the marginal uh, uh, farmers. I mean, they most of the time they supplement their income from the non-farm non activities. And you have a large number of the uh, uh, people who are agrarian laborers. No, I, I would say, and you know, that it's far better for those agrarian laborers, mostly coming from the, uh, what you say, depressed caste or the Dalit caste or the lower EBC caste, it's far better for them to work in a corporate, become a corporate employee, than to work in the fields of the Kisan where they exercise you know, extra economic power over them. And you can see the, I mean, I don't need to elaborate upon it. You can see in Punjab happening all the time. Recently also it happened after the lockdown. So, it's, it, so the reforms and the market forces and the entry of the organized corporate and the industry benefits the majority of the population of the countryside, even though it might harm a tiny section of the big farmers, but so be it. Every reform creates its own loser, its own winners. And the last right. point about the reforms yeah. is that, yes, once we have uh, a, a more market coming in, you will have more prosperity and more and more people will shift towards the non-farm activity for their livelihood. In fact, in India, in the villages, even today, the majority of the village population derives its livelihood mainly from the non-farm activities. Uh, the, the people who are dependent on the cultivation as the main source of income are not even 10% of the Indian population. So we're talking about really a minority of the people out of that, out of that only few are the big farmers who are uh, protesting and you know, or at least leading the protest because you also have small farmers protesting, but the spearhead or what you say, the uh, movement is being led by the rich capitalist farmers of certain reasons. So you're right, closing comments from both of you, starting first with uh, Gautam. Um, I would say that the three laws are good laws uh, and the government must not back down, must not change even a comma in them because not because uh, there is no logic anywhere, but because this is not the way to change laws. Uh, the street is not the place to debate laws. Hmm. Uh, the laws have to be debated in parliament and in the run up to the parliament. That is the first part. Second part, it must go out and make it clear that the MSP structure is not being touched at all. And uh, in case people are wondering, uh, some farmers are worried that the MSP structure will be uh, ended and they therefore give us guarantees through a separate law and so on and so forth, let that debate begin. Uh, le le let the discussion begin whether MSP should be stopped or not, and we can hear both sides uh, of, the, of, the of the debate. Third, right. whether yeah. we like it or not, manufacturing and corporate is the way forward, as Abhinav mentioned earlier. And uh, just because of a few uh, uh, entrenched interests, we cannot hold back the industrialization of India. It is said that India has missed the manufacturing bus uh, earlier. Well, that has to change. India has to ride that bus. And riding that bus is going to bring us prosperity. The movement from agriculture, which is now close to 16 or 17 percent of GDP, supporting 50 percent of our people, uh, needs to change. Uh, more, and more and more employment needs to happen outside of agriculture for prosperity, for growth, uh, for, uh, for wealth, uh, that is the only way. And all these uh, hurdles need to be taken care of. And Abhinav, close the show for us with a quick concluding remark. I think going forward, we really need to strengthen our institutions because once we have uh, corporates coming in and dealing with the farmers, uh, when we will have the contract farming, what will really matter is the contract enforcement the uh, protection of the rights of the farmers, and that we really need a very strong judicial system and the institutional mechanism at the grassroots. So we need to focus on the frontline bureaucracy. And also in the long run, we have to have this gliding path 
away from the MSP towards direct income support, which is less distorting and which really does benefit the small and the medium farmers as opposed to the big farmers which, who benefit from the MSP. Thank you, Frank. All right. On that note, then I'll call it a wrap on this edition of The Big Picture. Thank you to my panelists for joining me on the program and putting things into perspective for us. That's it from me. See you again next time.